Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Harvest Community Church. Uh, first time guests, I'll introduce myself to you. My name is Mike. Everybody else, same name. <laughs> we're up to the sixth commandment. So Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, we're all the way up to the sixth commandment. This is uh, one that um, no doubt you're familiar with. Uh, Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not murder. Actually, I just read that in the old King James. It's you shall not murder. Um, so since we're up to the sixth one, if you've been murdering people up till now, okay, but now it's time to stop. <laughs> we're going to put an end to that right now. You shall not murder. Um, this one, I, again, there's a few of these commandments. You can't wait to find out what we're going to say about thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not um, commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Because you're like, after you've said that, everyone already knows what you shall not do. We could just uh, call it a day. Um, but the Bible tells us more. And it's good to clarify. Because there are questions about something as simple as thou shalt not murder. Um, three questions that, that strike me about the sixth commandment. Before we even get started is one, how do we reconcile this command to not murder with God's commands in the Old Testament to Israel to administer capital punishment, to go to war? And what about self-defense, right? What about self-defense? Are you not allowed to to use lethal force if necessary to save your own life? is there ever a time you can kill, is, I guess, the way to say this question. The answer is, this command does not forbid killing humans. It forbids the illegal killing of humans. And the Bible makes a distinction between um, killing that is permissible and killing that is not permissible. Right? So legal killing is, um, is capital punishment. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, legal killing is if your nation sends you to war, um, you, uh, you're not culpable, provided you're not doing the wrong thing. You're fighting other soldiers and whatnot, uh, killing civilians. And uh, self-defense, you should try to avoid killing people. But if you cannot, you may kill them. <laughs> um, it's right, in Exodus, there's a place that talks about Stealing, And it says if a thief breaks in in the night and you kill him, it's okay. But if he breaks in in the daylight, <laughs> you cannot. And that, Well, they didn't have guns then. Um, but, but the thinking was um, you, you, if you can see the person and, and figure out the threat, then you shouldn't be just killing him. Um, for no reason, but if you think your family's in danger, and that's what you need to do. So there is legal killing and illegal killing. This is thou shalt not murder. You might have heard it, thou shalt not kill, but murder is by definition illegal killing. Second question that comes to my mind is why does God forbid murder? Now, you might say, what do you mean why does God forbid murder? Everyone knows murder is wrong. Why? Why do you know that? Well, I don't want anyone murdering me. Well, that's a very, um, you know, self-centered view of the world, not a negative view of the world. That's the way I, I don't want anyone killing me. So um, I'd at least like a rule about thou shalt not kill 
Mike. If, they, if that was a command, that's fine with me. Don't kill Mike. And you don't want to be killed either. But if you think about it, that's not necessarily um, much justification for saying don't kill people. Um, so why does God say? He, or let me, and, and if you say, well, that question isn't making sense. Let me put it another way. Does God give a reason why you shouldn't murder? And the answer is yes, he does. Thousands of years before Moses got this law, there was no in the ark. And um, mankind got a second chance. In, in all the wickedness, fallen man, God wiped them all out and said, we're starting from scratch with Noah, his wife, his three kids and their wives, and a bunch of animals. And we're going we're gonna to do this again, all right? Let's try to get it right, Noah. So when Noah gets off the boat, God gives instructions for mankind. Very interesting that, to know that he gives these instructions because they are for all mankind. It is not to the nation of Israel because they're not there yet. So this is mankind's rules. And he does not give mankind many rules. In fact, I'll read to you the rules he gives. It's in chapter 9 of Genesis 1 to 7. And here's where we will answer the question, um, why should you not murder people? So Genesis 9, 1 to 7, it should... Um, be on your screen. If not, you can open your Bible to it. Here we go. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That's with people. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens and upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave to the green plants, gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that's its blood. Here the issue is bleeding the animal. If you touch a steak and the juice comes out from the fat and whatever it brings with it, that's not what it's saying. So you do not have to burn your food. It just means bleed your animal first. Don't eat it when it's alive. Um, And for your lifeblood... You as a human, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it, and from man. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. And you, be fruitful, multiply, increase greatly on the earth, and multiply in it. Several important things to note. One is all things on the earth are there for us, for mankind. We are the greatest creature on the earth. We are the most important creatures on the earth and not the reverse. God made the earth for us. And you may kill and eat animals. And you'll see actually there's no restrictions on what you may kill and eat. If it moves and it's not human, you may eat it. I would suggest do not eat geckos. There was a guy in the news who ate a gecko, and he died. Don't eat a gecko. But you can if you want. God won't get mad at you, but you may be dead um, from salmonella or whatever geckos have. Um, But the reverse is is not true. The animal may not eat you. Uh, Second thing to note here is... God repeats, multiply and fill the earth 
three times he says multiply. And he's not talking about a calculator. He's not talking about an abacus. He's not talking about an adding machine. He means God wants the earth filled with human beings. He, he, the one command he gives them is make more of you. God has made us in his image, and he likes his image, and he wants his image to fill the earth. People, even Christians now, they, they say, hey, I don't know if I should have a kid today because the earth is overpopulated and it's not such a nice place. Um, fortunately, uh, I've been around enough decades to know when I was a little kid they were saying that. And, and uh, so that's always said. And it's a bunch of garbage. Uh, no matter how scary you think the world is, have babies is what God says. It's a command. Multiply. Uh, there's two of you. Multiply would mean four of you, right? I mean, try to, try to get the numbers to grow um, is, is the goal. And some will say, well, what about overpopulation? Well, as a side note, we don't know. We've never had it on the earth. We're, we don't have it now. We will not have it in a hundred hundred years. We won't have it. Uh, the, The earth has fewer starving people by percentage now than ever. The earth has the ability to make a lot of food. We make a lot of food. Uh, In fact, the whole world is not having babies. Demographically speaking, um, the population bomb, which was talked about when I was young, turned out to be a lie and a myth. In fact, we're about, what, 7 billion? It's not going to keep going up because people all over the world in country after country are having less than 2.4 babies per couple. And you have to have that many to reproduce yourself. Um, so if you haven't had 2.4 babies, you have, a, you, 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 you have less than what's needed to keep um, the earth afloat. And in nation after nation, there's only like one or two nations in the world that's above 2.4, and it's not India, and it's not China, and it's not America, and it's not Indonesia, and those are the four biggest countries in the world, and that's most of the people. Uh, Japan is in trouble. Italy is in trouble. Every place is in trouble because they're not having babies. So what you're going to see is the people alive will keep having babies, and we'll probably get, unless the trend changes, about 12 billion people on the earth, and then it'll begin falling off precipitously. In other words, it'll just start as older generations go with no one to replace them. It should cause a great economic disaster worldwide um, because wealth is created by young people and they don't exist. So I say all that for anyone who says, well, there's too many humans on the earth. There really isn't. There really isn't. There's plenty of food. Distribution's always the issue. So we should obey God third thing I want to note from uh, this text is God requires human beings to administer payback for murder. He says, I want an account, I want a reckoning. For your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. And before I got up here, if you're the, one of the campuses not containing, you don't know it, but Pastor Kevin got up here and, he, and he, he said, I want to see all you people at the outdoor service. And he was talking to us like he was our dad. And we did something wrong. You know, he wants a reckoning. He's taking names. And if we're not there, he's going to write it down. And he said it out of love, of course. But that's what God is saying about killing humans. I'm going to write down your name. I want a reckoning. If you take a human's blood, I want yours. 
That's exactly what that text means. He says, I want to, from every beast I require it, and from man. Every once in a while, an animal will kill a human, especially in Alaska, um, and people who think bears are nice <laughs> normally die and are very crunchy and tasty because they eat so healthy anyway that bears really like to eat them. And when a bear will eat a nice, healthy person, a nice, you know, you get this nice, healthy hippie, goes up there, he eats nothing but all the but grape nuts, the bear goes, huh, and he goes, you look nice, and the bear will eat the hippie. And then you have one less hippie, and we need more hippies, I mean, we need everybody in the world, but the bear will eat the hippie, and then people will say, don't kill the bear, because it's only doing what it naturally does, eating hippies, or anybody else, they'll, they'll, eat, they'll eat anybody. Well, that's not what God says. God says, kill the bear. Why? It didn't do anything against its nature. You are correct. It didn't even do anything morally wrong because it doesn't do morality. You still kill it. Why? Because God said, from every beast I require it and from man. Notice that he does not require a reckoning if you kill a bear. He doesn't say, well, now you must die. Nope. Nope, you don't have to. But if it's the other way, you do. But he also says it for a human. Whoever sheds the the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. So there is a a need for payback. Um, This, by the way, is the institution of government right here. Because you must organize to the extent that you can do this. And government is just humans getting together to govern themselves. There's nothing... Until it grows into the American government, and then it's a huge bureaucracy that gets in the way of everything. But it starts small. And, 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 and so if, if somebody kills me, because they forgot the commandment, don't kill, thou shalt not kill Mike, um, and they kill me anyway, I cannot, it says, by man shall that person's blood be shed. I cannot kill that person, can I? Why not? I'm dead. So who's going to do it? Well, it must be the human still here. How are they going to do it? Well, they'd better be sure they have the right man or woman or child, whoever takes me out. Um, and, and that requires some sort of justice system. And hopefully it's a fair one and you're not hanging everybody. But that um, does require government. So finally, it's God's image that makes man valuable. God does not say you should kill man for revenge because his family's hurting so you got to do it he does not say you should kill man for a deterrent if you kill everyone who murders people you'll have less murderers by the way I think if you do do that and you do it quickly you will have less murderers I've watched a lot of cowboy movies and anyone who watch cowboy movies know that they will kill you for murder and they will also kill you for stealing horses so I grew up knowing that the two worst things you can do in the world is kill somebody or steal their horse and so you don't steal a horse. It would deter me right there. And um, so there you go. I think it would be a deterrent, but that's not why God said do it. People talk about capital punishment and whether or not it's a deterrent has nothing to do with it. Then why do it? Because the most important thing in the world is a human. And the reason the most important thing in the world as a human is because a human is made in the image of God and God is the most important thing you don't even have to say in the world in the universe just thing stop right there 
God, if you think of what does God value, you value certain things, your house on fire, you're going to run in and you're going to hopefully get the humans out because you value them most. But let's say they're all out and you have a little time, maybe you grab your picture album or whatever's most valuable to you, your Xbox, I don't know, and you run out, whatever's most valuable. Well, what's most valuable to God? Answer, God. God values God more than he value, than anything. I, I don't, I don't want to speak too much for God because he's hard to understand. But he values God the most. I know that's true. God loves God the most. God loves God. God loves God the Son. God loves God the Father. God loves God the Spirit. God enjoys God. God, God is just about God. God thinks God is awesome. And it's fitting because there's nothing more beautiful, more wonderful, more great in anywhere than God. So why wouldn't you love the greatest thing? And he does. And out of all the things he made on the earth, only one of them did he stamp with his image. And that's any human. That's any human. And therefore, the human being becomes the most valuable thing on the earth. Therefore, the worst crime you can do on the earth is kill one. The worst crime you can do on the earth is kill one. And therefore, the worst punishment you can have on the earth is for killing one. Some say, well, that doesn't sound like you value life. No, it sounds like I value life supremely. <laughs> if it's <laughs> that, you get the highest punishment for killing a human because a human is of the highest value. And I wouldn't kill someone for stealing a horse. <laughs> but they do but cowboys do and that's the way cowboys are okay <laughs> how should we apply this command to ourselves today well I've already told you don't kill anybody um, just don't do it <laughs> uh, I've already told you the government it's the government's job to take care of justice and you might say well they will do a bad job they might but they will answer to a higher government the king of all kings, the Lord, in due time. You will have imperfect administration of justice on this earth, and it could be not even the government's fault. Someone could kill someone, and you can't prove it that it was him. (laughs) He's going to get away with it. It's the whole OJ thing. If the glove don't fit, you must acquit. But God will talk to that jury in heaven if they weren't honest. God will resurrect Mrs. Simpson from the dead as a witness. (laughs) And don't worry, justice will be done. But the sixth commandment goes farther. And that's where I want to go now. Um, How many? One, two, three, four, five. Five applications I want to add besides just don't kill people. One, seek to live by the standard of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. In in Exodus, we get a very simple command. Don't murder folks, folks. Folks, don't murder folks, please. But Jesus actually takes that teaching and expands on it. And as Christians, you're responsible not just for the command from Exodus, but for the uh, commentary that Jesus gives it. Right? In other words, if Jesus were to preach a sermon on thou shalt not murder, you should write down all his map points and do them because 
it's going to be a good sermon. Well, he does preach a sermon on it. And here's what he says. You've heard that it was said of old, you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Jesus is rough. So, if you are offering your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. So what Jesus isolates as murder, as being guilty of murder, is anger in the heart towards another. Now, we have to be careful here because the Bible in another place says be angry and sin not. You may have an emotion of anger that is even justified. Um, it could be righteous and good anger. But here's another thing we know from Scripture as a principle. The anger of man never fulfills the righteousness of God. So be angry, but don't sin. Uh, anger gets you to judge according to your anger. And you will get it wrong. You will speak too harshly. You will punch too hard. You will insult too much. You will say awful things. When you're angry, sit still. (laughs) Don't do anything until that emotion is no longer seizing your brain. And your brain can wake up and you can behave well. Um, You can see we're all guilty of murder according to Jesus' standard unless you are not. Um, And if you are not, we all love you the best, and you probably should be up here every week teaching us because you are the only one who's worthy. (laughs) But the rest of us have said insults to somebody. The rest of us had called someone an idiot and not as a joke. Um, The rest of us have... Let the anger overtake us. So what should we do, Christian? If hateful anger, it's the seed of murder to God. Very interesting why that is. is I, I can't explain why. It's worth thinking about God loves us, even though we're bad. I mean, I get people mad at me sometimes, and I sometimes think, yeah, you should be mad. <laughs> I was a jerk, right? Have you ever been a jerk? Um, probably none of you have been a jerk, but <laughs> I've been a jerk. And, and God still says, don't hate him. Don't hate him. Uh-uh. He's one of mine. He, he reflects my image. And, and, and the, you know, the image is broken. I'm a sinner. God says, I don't care. Just don't hate that guy. Who do you hate? Who do you hate? Who do you hate? My friends, we live in the strangest of times, perhaps even the end time Maybe for our country as a free nation or maybe for the world. We don't know. But it's crazy out there. You are going to be at odds constantly if you follow Christ. And I know most of you here do. Um, You're going to be constantly at odds with people who say really stupid things to you. And call wrong right and right wrong to your face and will hate you. A lot of it is cultural. A lot of it is political. It's hard to not get angry when it affects your life, right? If it's political, what you're teaching my kid in the school. It's hard. Talk about bears. The only thing more dangerous than an angry grizzly bear is a mom who thinks you're teaching their kid the wrong thing 
or a mom who just thinks you're doing anything bad to her kid, I'd rather face the grizzly. And when it gets personal, we get angry. So Facebook anger, Twitter anger, watching Fox News all the time and saying, I hate Nancy Pelosi. is a sin. And you ought to repent of that if you're doing that. You say, well, I can't watch the news and not do that. Then you know what I'm going to say next, right? Turn off the news. Better, right? Jesus said sin is so serious, be better to cut off your hand than to go into hell with both hands. And that's his symbolic way of saying, well, then don't do that. You do not have permission to hate people. Any people? Any people. Neither do I. Instead, that's murder of the heart. We don't want to be life takers. We want to be life givers. Right? Jesus isn't a life taker. Jesus gives. Jesus gives life. What's the Bible say in Romans 5? But God shows his love for us. And then while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. What that text is saying is that I was an enemy of God. I was acting in a way that was obnoxious and wrong and deserved the death penalty. Heck, just from what Jesus said in Matthew, proves it. I was definitely worthy of hell fire. I had four brothers. I murdered them a thousand times each in my heart and with my mouth. Fortunately, not with my hands, but I wanted to. And I was in public school. There's a lot of people I was murdering constantly. And I was, I was powerless to do anything about it. And then Jesus broke through. He woke up my mind and said, look, look at me, son. I died to pay for that so I can give you life. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I was made alive by faith in Christ. So what did Jesus, who should have in his anger and in his wrath at me, which is clear in the Bible, should have punished me. Instead, he did not. He gave me life. And by the way, when God acts in anger, it's never unrighteous because he's not unrighteous. But instead, he gave me life. Forgive your enemies means forgive your enemies. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I can't tell you how many times I want to commit Harakiri or whatever you call that. You know when the, the Japanese, when they, they'd, they'd be like, the samurai, he's like, oh, I've lost my honor. That's it. I'm a failure. That's what I, you know, I preach and preach and preach and people say, you're right, pastor. And I don't care what anyone says. I hate that guy. He shouldn't have done this to me. I'm like, excuse me. Just, just kill me now. You must forgive your enemies. You don't know what they've done to me. I don't care what they've done to you. In the sense, I care about you. 
when you think of what it will cost you to love your enemies, and it will cost you, you will have to let things go that are horribly wrong. Just remember what it cost God to save you. And it was more. It was more. It was the blood of his own son. Okay, second. Second application here is be a life giver by sharing the cross of Jesus. We're against death people. We're pro-life people, right? Did you know that you have received a ministry that, I don't know how to say this without it coming out and someone's going to want to correct it, so I'm going to say it and then let, let people criticize me, okay? You have the power to bring the dead to life. Now they're going to criticize, well, we don't have any power. Jesus has the power. I know. I just don't know how else to say it. When you, you say, well, I don't feel that impressive. I'm not smart. I'm not building. I don't care. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit being given to all believers in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, it says, is a river of life flowing out. And you say, well, I don't feel like I'm good enough. Stop it. Stop it. The Bible says we are like cheap Clay vessels in which they put in, which in God puts in a great treasure. When I was in India, if you get a tea, they give you a terracotta cup, right? And you take it and you leave. You might think, well, that's nice. I got a souvenir. Yeah, if I took that here and I just took it down to some shop and said, look, imported from India, I could probably get 12, 12 bucks for it. But where people are really poor and they make things out of clay, they know that's just, that's just dirt. It doesn't cost them anything. They just, they're making them in the back. Oh, look at this thing. There it is. Put your tea in there. Take that terracotta cup, worth nothing to an Indian. It's the poorest people on the earth. It's worth nothing to them. And you say, well, I got a bunch of diamonds here or gold dust. I think I'm going to keep it in this. That's you and the Holy Spirit. That's me and the Holy Spirit. Sure, we're weak. You have the power to bring the dead to life. How? The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Ephesians 2. All the world is dead spiritually in their trespasses and sins, just like you were. If you will come to a person and present to them the good news that Jesus Christ died for them, and rose for them, is sitting at the right hand of God, and will come again to judge the living and the dead, and if they will believe in him, they will be saved, then the Holy Spirit of the living God that is in you will raise them from the dead if they believe. And if you say nothing, then you have the power to raise the dead, but you hold it back from your friend. So, the text says, thou shalt not kill. It does not say, preach the gospel. I know that. (laughs) Nevertheless, nevertheless, if we're life givers, you you have the the most powerful thing in anywhere is in you. When you're in the midst of your biggest or smallest problems, no matter where you are, no matter who you're with, 
Whoever's near you is this close to the power that made the universe because he's near you. So declare the powerful message. We are not ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it, it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. The third way is to apply the sixth commandment, I would argue, is to oppose abortion in America without compromise, without blinking, without insecurity, without doubt. I don't care how many people say, well, look at this argument. Do not blink. Thousands of times a day in America, a human being is murdered. There is a better solution to an unwanted pregnancy. Let me give you one, parenthood. Let me give you another, adoption. Let me give you another, foster care. Let me give you another, anything. People say, well, you don't want unwanted babies being born. Yes, I do. It beats the alternative. If you got a baby in you and you're a lousy human being, who's going to hate that baby and not want it and not take good care of it? I want it born. Because <laughs> it beats the alternative, and that is murder. I don't want you to beat it, of course. Let's go back to the other one. Foster care is better than that. Adoption is better still. Parenthood, best of all. Well, that's going to cost me so much. Yeah, it will. I'm in the 10th grade, and, and, and what about my high school? You just screwed it up, sister. But God, by his grace, has given you the greatest gift in the world. And if you have the courage and love to give it to someone else, give it to someone else who will raise it. But if not, don't kill it. Consider this. I looked it up to, to find out exactly what happens to you if you disturb the egg of a bald eagle. And my goodness, disturbing is the smallest possible infringement on that egg, including taking a broken piece of the egg home. Disturbing the egg of a bald eagle. And I'll go farther. A bald eagle is not on the endangered species list. But if you find their eggs that have their little chicks inside and you disturb it, you will be put in jail for up to a year and you could be fined up to $10,000 for the first offense. Now, a society that works that hard to protect the unborn bird cannot sit and say, we don't have a solution for an unwanted pregnancy of a human soul. You just, you just can never back down on this. The reason we, we, we're, we think to back down is because when, when the world all says something, you start to doubt yourself. Well, don't, don't have confidence in yourself. Have confidence in the word of God. He made that baby. Satan is on display in the laws of the United States. I want mercy for our country, but we do not deserve mercy. I would like America to be great again. We are not great again. Nothing against the current president. 
I think he's doing a marvelous job on many things. Most of them have to do with money. But America won't be great again until we repent of our greatest sin. I mean, who could say God was wrong when every year we're wiping out over a million humans who've done nothing wrong? Is America great? America has some great ideas. Freedom. They come from great philosophers who said things like this. Human beings are given rights by God among them. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of property. But we don't live like that. We say you can have liberty and you can pursue property. That was changed to happiness because of an argument over a word. So happiness. But we don't give them life. So we're, we're great in ideas, bad in execution. And Christians, we got to fight for the unborn. Even if it's your kid. And oh, how embarrassed you would be. Don't kill it. Fourth, when it is wise and possible, which is going to be in most cases, not all, get married, make babies. No one else in the world is going to tell you to do this except the Bible. Get married, make babies. Try not to reverse the order of those. And why, well, you say, well, why is that an application of this commandment? It doesn't say have kids, it says thou shalt not kill. I agree. But if you go back to what it said in Noah's time, we know God's heart about killing. He said, do not kill. If you do kill, make sure mankind kills you. And then it also says three times before and twice after, multiply and fill the earth. So we know God's heart on human life. He loves babies. He just freaks about babies. He adores babies. Squashy babies, fat babies, skinny babies, tall babies, preemie babies, late babies. He doesn't care. Down syndrome babies, deformed babies, everything healthy, ten fingers, ten toes babies. One-eyed babies, two-eyed babies, black-haired babies, babies who play on rocks, even babies with chicken pox. So no, the commandment doesn't say have kids. But we know God's intention on the matter because he made it clear in Genesis 9, do the opposite of murder. It's the opposite of murder, right? I'm not killing a human. I'm producing one. So that's good for the quota. It's just got to be a normal thing. It's got to be a valuable thing. If you, I was playing golf yesterday um, as ministry to the lost <laughs> with a couple of guys and they weren't Christians and this is okay I'm not criticizing them at all they think like the world because that's what they are and they were nice guys we had a great time but one of them said he had daughters and I said are either of them married because they're both adults he said not till they're 30 that's the most common answer Christians should never say that unless you're raising a fool if you're raising a foolish girl then how about she just doesn't get married at all but if you're not raising an idiot, if you don't think your daughter's an idiot, <laughs> don't say things like, don't you get married until you're 30. Don't even want you to think about it. Why? 
Are you trying to say marriage is so bad? <laughs> you're going to get stuck with someone like your father. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Next thing you know, you'll have kids, and you know how much I hated having you. Is that what you're saying? Is that what you're saying? You say, oh, but that's what people say. Why? Because the world says it. You've got to go do something valuable first. What? Get a job. Look, I've lived my life trying to get out of work. <laughs> At least work I don't like. Who's with me on that? You know, we all want a job where you work one hour, make $100 million, and retire. <laughs> and yet we say to our little girls, when you grow up, I want you to wait till you're 30 to get married and you make lots of money. So they're going to think that's what's important. Making lots of money is hard. Anyway, everybody's trying to get it. You make men who are responsible. Tell young boys you're going to be a dad and it's going to be more important than your job. It's just what, this is, I I, I have to sit on this because ages past no one had to say this. Now we have to say it because the Bible says it and the whole society is pushing the other direction. Well, we're going to have two. One for him, one for her. That's nice. You haven't even replaced yourself. Look, I'm not going all Vatican on you or nothing. I'm still a Protestant. (laughs) But doggone it, have babies? Anyway, five. Finally, receive life. Do you have eternal life? Murder is illegal death. Now, if you don't get murdered by a human, you're going to die. Right? It's going to happen. When you die, if you have not received life, you will find out that you are spiritually separated from God, and you always have been. And he will, you say, will he give me a chance? Sure. He'll say, give me all your deeds, and you'll tell him, you know, you think it's going to be all those good things. He's going to look at every sin. And then you say, well, I have good deeds too. Don't worry about that. Why? Because how many sins does it take to make a holy God no longer holy? One. How big? Any size. And he's not going to have an unholy person with him in eternity. He will punish that sin. So, he'll take your deeds... And there'll be a long list of sins. And at that moment, when the scales of this earth fall off, you won't even argue. You'll say, he's right. I do not deserve life. And he will throw you into the lake of fire, which the Bible calls the second death. And you will die again. And that will be your state for as long as there is time. So you can make it through the earth without killing anybody and that's where you go. What's the remedy to the second death? Well, strangely enough, it's the second birth. You're alive. You have a body. You're breathing. That's your first birth. It won't get you to to heaven because you're spiritually dead because of your sin. But Jesus Christ died. Do you know the cool thing about the death on the cross? When he died, 
I died with him. Even though I didn't go through it. When he rose, I received life. So if you want to avoid that second death, you've got to have a second birth. In other words, you have to have a first time where you are born from heaven, a first time when you have spiritual life, and there is no way to get that except by the shedding of the blood of Christ. Apart, The Bible says two things. It is appointed to once to die and then judgment. There is no karma, no endless wheels, none of that stuff. And there's no, I'm just dead and that's it. You're, you're, you die one time, and then the judgment. You will face the judgment of God, and things will not go well. But there's another verse in the Bible that says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Jesus Christ shed his blood to save you from sin, because he had none. He who knew no sin became your sin, and died, and left your sin in the grave, if you will receive him. How do you apply thou shalt not murder? Now this is a little indirect. But how about don't let your soul be murdered by your own sin? Receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Born once, die twice. Born twice, die only once. What is it? What happens then? Well, if you have Christ, when you die, your spirit goes to be with God. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And then when the Lord returns, he raises you up with a glorified body and you live forever in joy with him. Are you saved? Are you saved? I'm not asking, are you in church? Obviously you are. (laughs) That's why we're here. (laughs) But are you saved? Isn't that the most important thing? If If you're not saved, does it really matter how you apply the sixth commandment? Ultimately, no might make your life better here if you're not sitting in a jail cell, but ultimately, no. If you're not saved, nothing is more important right now than you saying, what am I doing? God, forgive me all my sins. I repent. That just means I, I change my mind. I don't want to live like this. Jesus, I believe in you coming to my heart. Who's ready to say that right now? Now you might say, well, how can I make that decision in a moment? All decisions are made in a moment. You may think for years, but you make them like that. And I'm going to call you to make it right now. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Harvest Community Church. We invite you to join us at any one of our four campuses located in Catanning, Petrolia Valley, Indiana, and Freeport. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org.